Welcome to an empowering and transformative season of Yoga Corner Chats. Join me, Shelby Phoenix, your host and guide as we embark on a journey of inspiration, growth, and self-discovery. This season, we're diving into the worlds of wellness and entrepreneurship, bringing you captivating conversations with extraordinary women who are making their mark in these realms. Each week, we'll explore the stories, insights, and wisdom of our remarkable guests, delving into their personal journeys and uncovering the secrets to cultivating a more balanced and fulfilling life. From yoga teachers to life coaches, therapists to entrepreneurs, each guest will bring their unique perspectives and experiences, offering invaluable guidance for navigating the paths of wellness and entrepreneurship with grace and resilience. At Yoga Corner Chats, we believe the power of women supporting and uplifting one another. We celebrate the diversity of our guests and their expertise, creating a space where their voices can shine brightly. Together, we'll explore what it means to define wellness and success on our own terms, finding inspiration in each other's stories, and forging our paths to fulfillment. So whether you're an inspiring entrepreneur, seeking guidance, a wellness enthusiast eager to learn new insights, or simply someone who craves inspiration for living your best life, this season of Yoga Corner Chats is for you. Tune in every week to join our captivating conversations and discover how you too can embrace the transformative power of yoga, wellness, and entrepreneurship. Together, let's manifest our dreams, support one another, and create a world where success and well-being go hand in hand. Subscribe to Yoga Corner Chats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform, and be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and uplifted. The journey begins now. Welcome back to Yoga Corner Chats. In today's special episode, we have a powerful conversation that delves into the realms of mental health, sobriety, yoga, and entrepreneurship. Our guest today is none other than Alex McRobert, also known as Sober Yoga Girl, a remarkable sober coach and yoga teacher. In this episode, we'll explore the transformative journey of embracing a sober lifestyle and how it intersects with the practice of yoga. Alex shares her personal experiences, insights, and the profound impact sobriety has had on her mental health and physical well-being. Join us as we delve into the depths of self-discovery, discuss the power of community, and explore the resources available for those curious about embarking on their own sober journey. Whether you're considering a sober lifestyle or simply interested in the profound connection between sobriety and yoga, this episode is sure to leave you inspired. So grab your favorite cup of tea, find a cozy spot, and get ready to immerse yourself in this captivating conversation with sober yoga girl, Alex. Remember, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Yoga Corner Chats on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an empowering episode. 
Let's continue to explore the diverse paths of wellness and entrepreneurship together. Now let's dive right into our enlightening discussion with Alex, the Sober Yoga Girl. Well, I like to start my interviews by having, um, but by taking a few deep breaths together to get grounded. Is that okay with you? Love it. That sounds great. Okay. So wherever you are, if you're sitting down, settle into your seat. If it feels safe to close your eyes, I invite you to do that or take a soft gaze. Push all the air out of your lungs with your belly and begin to inhale through your nose, feel your belly rise. Feel your rib cage expand, fill your lungs with air, and then empty everything out. Another full breath, just like that. Belly, rib cage, lungs, and then empty. One last full deep inhale, and then let it go. And when you feel ready to open your eyes and come back into this space. Awesome. That was lovely. So oh, nice. Thank you. I love to do that because I get super nervous doing live. So I figure, well, why not take a few deep breaths? Yeah. I thought we'd so start good. by having you introduce yourself and your business. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, sorry, there's a big truck going by. I hope you guys can't hear that. <laughs> Um, so my name is Alex and, um, I host a podcast called sober yoga girl. And basically what I do, I run an online community called the mindful life practice and I help sober curious women take a break from drinking. And, uh, if they choose to stay sober long-term using our yoga practice, meditation, journaling, community connection. And I actually, we just launched a full year sober girls yoga program to this morning, which is really exciting. So I do that. I run yoga teacher trainings. I do yoga retreats around the world and um, yeah, just run this amazing sober mindfulness community. So that's what I do. And then I also host the sober yoga girl podcast. Oh. Um, every like your podcast, when I was, you know, trying to get sober for the last time, I found your podcast and I was so grateful to find it because I see like you as a mirror almost because I didn't know that before you were a teacher and I'm also a former teacher and then you started your own business and you've been on this huge journey so being able to see you do that really showed me that I could do that because I don't have a lot of sober people in my life so finding your community has been like my support system um, oh, so thank you so I'm, much. Oh, you're welcome. I'm thank so you. glad it had such an impact. I'm wondering, why do you think it's so important to create a community for sober people? And also your community is specifically for women. So if you could share a little bit about why that is. Yeah, absolutely. So I quit drinking in 2019. And at that point in time, I thought that like AA was the only way. I didn't know that there were other options or other opportunities out there. And I ended up finding out about a program that was a little bit male oriented. It was kind of like, you know, 
quit drinking, change your habits, run a marathon. Everyone was running marathons and it worked for me. Um, being part of that community, connecting on Facebook, that all worked for me. But what I was really needing was like a kind of like a spiritual hub for meditation, for connection, for doing the inner work, for diving deep. And there was just nothing like that out there. And the funny thing is that I feel like this niche almost like came to me. Like I almost didn't choose it. It almost chose me. So I had just become sober. I was like 90 days sober and started doing life coach training. And I ended up, I was doing like life purpose coaching basically. And pretty much everyone that came to me was someone who was struggling with their drinking. And it's so funny how you end up helping people that are like a few months or a few years behind where you are. And so I started running the community, started Sober Girls Yoga. It just like massively resonated with people. And I feel particularly with what's happening in the world right now, especially in the United States, um, but everywhere in the world, there seems to be a huge, um, like a huge issue with like women's rights right now. And we really need to come together as women. We need to have safe spaces for women to share, to talk about what's going on. And we don't have that in, in the world. And, and I've tried running co-ed circles, which have been amazing, but there's something different about it. Like once you have yeah. a mix of genders in the space, um, there seems to be less vulnerability around things that are like, you know, women conversations, like, you know, right. dating or your period or like whatever, like things that you just right. want to talk about in a women's space with totally. women who get it. And so I went a little bit into the mix and now I go back I'm doing sober girls yoga but the mindful life practice in general is open to everyone and we do have like men in the community but our main thing really is that women's only space for that reason yes um how you just said like your journey has enabled you to like fall into your niche and like make such a big impact on other people who are maybe a little bit further behind on that journey. And I was just talking to a client about that same thing. Like, Oh, I'm worried about like marketing my services because like, it feels like I'm like commodifying my story or something. And I was like, but what about the person who's like a couple steps behind and they like need you right now. And if you're not sharing that with the world, like that person still stays stuck. So I feel like, yeah, like your ability to use your story to make a deep connection has created such a big impact. Um, And I think that's like just so inspiring. Um, But I'm also wondering, like, how do you feel like the like the intersection is between yoga, sobriety and mental health because you share really openly about your journey with sobriety obviously but you also share about your journey with mental health and how yoga is weaved through that story yeah that's a great question um so I feel that so what I'm really deeply um interested in and what a lot of my work around is the yoga sutras of Pantanjali, which was an ancient text written thousands of years ago in ancient India, um, was codified by Pantanjali. But for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know, um, it's kind of like the, it's like 196 kind of like almost like rules for, for, for well-being, um, ways to find yoga and yoga meaning like union with the body, mind, soul, uh, the higher, like higher consciousness, the universe. And, I feel that, I mean, I myself never was a 12-stepper. I didn't do 12-step, but I know many people in my community have. And 
what they often remark on is like the similarities between the two. And there's so many aspects of yoga that are about like, um, so basically the very first sutra is um, yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind, which basically means like yoga was all about learning to manage the mind, to calm down the mind, to bring it into stillness. And then it's like 200, 200 steps on how to get there, basically like 200 yeah. little sutras or threads or strategies. And so I believe that the whole purpose of yoga from thousands of years ago was always about our mental health. And mm. when you make that distinction, you realize like when I first came into yoga, I thought that like all the yoga teachers were just like born knowledgeable about like how to help people, you know, be yeah. grounded and be happy. And they were just born with this wisdom and they're just like sharing it with us. But the reality is that most people that are like really passionate about teaching yoga and giving yoga to other people in their communities, most people end up there because yoga has had this profound impact yeah. on the way that they move through the world, whether it's anxiety, depression, stress. Um, it has changed them so much that they just want to share that with others. Yeah. And so once you look at it that way, you realize like the whole thing was all about mental health. And, and you know, it, we do so much physical asana, but that is all in general to just impact the way we move in a positive way through life. So you don't even have to say yeah. per se, like, you know, you don't even have to have mental health struggles to still see the impact that these regular mental health tools are going to have on you. Yeah. Um, I can relate to that so much because I entered yoga, at, like just, I just thought it was like going to be exercise or whatever. And then yeah. I began to notice how, I was treating my mind and how I was treating my body became connected and it took me on this like whole other journey. Like that was like an aha moment for me. Like, Oh, these are all connected and they're not separate. And like, I need to treat it as a whole. And that like changed my mental health. So, so much. There's another part of your journey that I've heard you talk about in your podcast before that I really resonated with. And it's this idea that you don't, need to have had something like totally tragic happen in your life to come to sobriety or some like yeah um, tear like you got arrested or you like seriously injured your you know whatever like you don't have to be like the stereotypical picture of an alcoholic to like come to healing and sobriety um so I'm wondering if you could just talk about that a little bit yeah, totally. Um, so I feel like there is this belief that like, you need to be like, you need to hit rock bottom in order to quit drinking. And there's this concept that people are always saying like, Oh, I want to quit drinking. And then people say, Oh, you're not that bad. Or Oh, you yeah. know, you can just like have one or whatever. And I think it keeps a lot of people stuck. It's like this stereotype that you have to hit rock bottom to get sober. And the work that I do is catching people along the way, right? So yeah. I'm working with people that are not necessarily at that rock bottom moment, but they're having these thoughts of like, you know, this might be a good time to stop now before it gets any worse, before I end up in that situation where, you know, I've gotten a DUI or I've, um, you know, put my life at risk or, or the, my loved one's life at risk. And the thing is like, we think that we have to have one of these huge rock bottom moments, but in reality, there can be any day when you just decide, you know what, it's time for you to make a change. And it doesn't have to be like New Year's or it doesn't have to be like yeah. anything special, sober October. It can just be the day when you're just like sick and tired of, you know, your own, uh, 
sick and tired of being sick and tired, I guess. And you, and you're just ready. Yep. Another thing I resonated with is like, so right. Like people you're catching people where they are. And one of the things that kind of like I came around to, and you spoke about this on one of your podcast episodes is like, like when the event, if it's not circled around alcohol or you don't think like alcohol starts to take up like the space in your mind and like you're disappointed if it's not there or you're like making sure like there's going to be enough wine on the table for you to take you know a second glass or a third glass or whatever so for people who are maybe like sober curious or they've maybe like googled like do I have an alcohol problem you know like that like first kind of cue like what is a good cue to maybe push someone to take that experiment or take the next step to exploring their sobriety? It's a great question. I think ultimately it has to be something within, if you know deep down that there is another way, that there's a better way. Um, If it's something within you that you're wondering, like maybe it's time for me to explore this. I would say, don't worry too much about what, you know, if you're like me, you were up Googling, am I an alcoholic? Um, If you're like me, you're thinking like, am I that bad that I'm at this point? There's going to be no harm in just taking 28 days off. You know, you don't have to commit to forever. You don't have to commit to a year. You don't have to commit to six months. Just say, I'm going to take a month and I'm going to try this and I'm going to explore this. And say you got a month into it and you're like, I want to go back to drinking. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, say you end up um, a month into it and you love it so much. They're like, I'm just going to do this forever. That was my case. Like I got 22 days into it and I was like, you know what? This is, um, this is it for sure. But I think ultimately it's something that, you know, deep down within you, like I knew deep down within me that there was more that I had to offer the world. There was more that I had to give. There was more, there was a greater purpose that I was put on this planet beyond getting drunk every single Friday getting drunk every weekend, you know, and I would never find that if I just stayed on the hamster wheel that I was on of like, teach every day, party every night, like I would have never ended up where I am now. And so I would say to anyone, if you have a, all it needs to be is just a small voice within you that there's like more to life than this. That is your cue. Yeah. And I so agree with that. Like when I, I started with like a, a sober January or whatever they call it. And I was like, I'm not quitting drinking. Like I'm just like taking some time off, like doing a cleanse or whatever. And I'm just going to notice like how I feel. And I was like, okay, like two weeks in, I'm like, wow, I feel like so much more energy. And like, I'm starting to notice little things in my, how I feel physically. And, and then at a certain point I decided to, you know, drink. And I just noticed like, okay, this is what, what I'm noticing in my body when I'm sober and when I drink and repeating that process, you know, two or three times, finally, I was like, okay, I have enough data to know that this alcohol is not doing any, me any favors. And I feel now ready that I've gathered that data to move forward and that I don't want it in my life anymore. Um, But also like some of the things I've realized as I've been researching that is like, a myth about alcohol, right? It's like that it's relaxing and that like, it's like, I'll take an edge off. But what I learned was that alcohol actually like physiologically increases your anxiety and, you know, Mm -hmm. fuels those like mental health things. 
So I'm wondering, what do you think is the biggest myth about alcohol in our culture that needs to be debunked? I mean, I think you said a good one right there that people believe that alcohol reduces anxiety, but it doesn't. Um, people think that yoga, look, there's so many, that yoga helps you become more social. Um, but in reality, you know, you're going to drink so much and then you'll like forget what you're saying or say things that, you know, you regret. And so like, is that better for socializing? I don't know. <laughs> um, like that yoga, so yoga releases anxiety or sorry, not yoga, alcohol releases anxiety. Alcohol makes you more social alcohol. A lot of people think that alcohol can make you like less depressed, but in reality in the depressant, that's going to make your depression worse over the long term. Oh my goodness. There's so many of them. <laughs> Um, another big one is that people think that alcohol is like, there's this big thing of like women drinking to be rebellious and like feminist. Yeah. And it's this whole myth that, that big alcohol has just been using to market to women since the, you know, since the seventies and eighties, you know, right. alcohol makes us rebellious. That's all a marketing scam. <laughs> like that's not right. Real. And we, and we buy into this stuff. And so we think that it's all these things. It's going to make us rebellious. It's going to make us less anxious. It's going to make us sleep better. It's going to make us less depressed. And in reality, it's going to give you all these things that it's telling you it's yeah. not. <laughs> it's like the opposite of everything that we are like conditioned to think about alcohol. 100%. Um, what has been your biggest transformation through your sober and like entrepreneurship journey? That's a great question. Um, I think my biggest transformation has been letting go and just trusting that everything is going to come to me and everything's going to work out the way that it's meant to. And it's a constant thing. I feel like the universe just keeps throwing me these curveballs to test to see if I've like actually gotten it. Because I think that's like the scariest thing for a lot of people is quitting their secure, stable job and yeah. jumping out off the deep end into that instability. And that is what kept me stuck in teaching for so long is I was yeah. like, how is this going to work? I don't think I'm going to like make enough money. Um, I don't think I'm going to survive. And I think those beliefs that we have so ingrained to us that we must be, you know, in a nine to five on this hamster wheel, um, following the kind of the, the path that we are almost conditioned to follow from childhood. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of people have to overcome is like taking that risk. And what I would say to people, um, if they are curious about like following their dreams, doing an entrepreneurship, like um, jumping out of their comfort zone is just accepting the fact that like there will always be a fallback. And that was what Mia had to realize is like, I was a teacher. There will always be teaching jobs around the world. Yeah. Always, always, always. And I have to keep reminding myself that like when I was leaving my job for good it's like there's always going to be an opportunity to go back say this fails I can always go back but I'm never going to know what happened if I don't try and I think letting go of that control has been my biggest learning yes um when I was taking that jump from like going from teaching to going into that uncertainty I feel like I had yes. a jolt of like 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 COVID like hit me over the head. Like it was like, nothing is like, sure. Like just because you yeah. have this stable job doesn't mean that you have a stable job. Like anything could, you could, a global pandemic could happen. And then now you're like, so it made me feel 
a lot more confident about like taking that big risk. Um, and you said you started your business in 2019, right? Yeah. 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 I'm wondering like what, because you started your business like right before COVID, did it um, scare you a bit or like how did that affect your journey to have that like that big event happen in the beginning of your business? Well, you know what? It actually, COVID, it was a terrible and tough and like challenging situation for everyone, but it was actually really beneficial for me and my business. And the reason why yeah. is because I started the business in December of 2019. And I was actually getting nowhere with it. <laughs> um, yeah. or not, I shouldn't say nowhere, but I had like two, co I think I had two coaching clients and I had made like 200 bucks basically from the business right. at this point. And I was teaching yoga and teaching bar and teaching spin and had private yoga clients all around Abu Dhabi. And I was also a teacher and I was doing all this stuff like courses, da, da, da. I was running this retreat program for a gym I worked for and then COVID hit. And the business was going nowhere. I was feeling really discouraged. And then when COVID hit, a few things happened in my life at the same time. So one, obviously the schools were closed down. So I was teaching from home, which gave me back the commute time. And it really cut my stress because my stress in the teaching job was not the act of teaching itself. I love teaching and I love the kids. The stress for me was like managing the classroom of 26 kids for like yeah. eight hours a day. Like that was just yeah. not for me. So that happened. And then at the same time, I also broke up with my partner at the time and I lost my yoga teaching job um, right when the lockdown hit. And so I pretty much went from go, 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 13 hours a day, boom, 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 running around the city to like endless free time. Actually, I think the school yeah. shut down for two weeks before it even started e-learning. Like we just fully shut down at the beginning of March and I had so much free time. And in that free time created this incredible window yeah. And in that window, I had all the time in the world to just rush in and create and recreate and try things and fail. And I believe if COVID never happened, I would have never gotten this confidence to just go out on my own and be like, you can do it, you know? And yeah. so I think for me, it, it took this big life event, but for a lot of other people, like it's probably not going to happen again where COVID just like shuts down the whole world. But if right. you're in that place where I was of like, you know, you're in the baby stages of your business, but you're too afraid to go out on a limb, I would say, look at every single thing in your life and say, is this actually getting me to where I want to be next, right? So say you're a teacher and you're tutoring and you're doing summer school and you're whatever, but you really want to start your other business. I would look at all those things because I used to always justify it of like, well, I'm making more money to save for when I quit my job or I'm, I'm making right. more money to you know, to, to then have these backups for when I quit my job. But the thing is like, none of these things were actually moving me to where I wanted to be with my business. They were just right. taking up a ton of my time. Uh, not only the hour of tutoring, but the hour of driving to and from tutoring. And so right. I would encourage anyone to look at their whole life and try to clear out anything that's not going to propel them in that direction. And, yeah. and then just start creating and go out on that risk and don't be afraid to fail because you're going to fail a million times <laughs> before you succeed. Yes. And I think there's this stigma around failure and mistakes yeah. that if you fail at something or whether it's your business or your sobriety or yeah. what, you know, you miss a, you forget your flow in a yoga class. Like that's not, that's just the battle. It's not like the bigger picture. Right. So I'm wondering like in those moments, those days where like you either are like feeling 
um, maybe the urge to drink or you're feeling really unconfident and you're whatever you're like those days that are hard where you really need to refocus to move forward. How do you get through those moments? Um, I guess, well, one of my favorite things is to get those Facebook memories of times when I have failed. <laughs> um, I see Facebook memories of times when I have tried things that have failed. Like the other day I saw, like when I was trying to run a kid's yoga camp, I put a ton of money into marketing this like zoom yoga camp completely failed. Um, and what I learned from that experience is like that I am not, that's not my niche is like running kids right. yoga camps basically. Um, but so that's one thing I love is to see all these moments of failures and remember that it's okay to fail because every time it's just gotten like me closer to my niche. Um, but in my daily practice, I think taking time for myself to do all of these things that are going to be for my well being, And, um, even things like me being a student of yoga myself. So I would encourage anyone that's like a yoga teacher working in this like creation phase of their company to make sure that they're getting out there and going to yoga classes themselves. Because when you take that time to just like sit still, that's always when I get these big downloads and these big ideas is through me doing my own practice. And so um, I would encourage someone to just be like committed to all of these practices. And then also even keeping like, I don't know, a record of like those times when you've failed and it just shows you like how much resilience you've built up and how mm -hmm. far you've gone to get to where you are today. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. What's been the most rewarding part of your sober journey? The most rewarding part? Um, that's a great question. The most rewarding part for me has been being able to help others. And it started really small. It was like I posted for the first time about my sobriety on Facebook. And um, like three people told me that the post had an impact on them. And like they wanted to quit drinking. And now obviously that impact has grown massively where so many people are feeling inspired and connected by my work and what I do. And I think just knowing that I've been able to help other people by sharing my story and being vulnerable, that is so rewarding. And every time I hear it, like I was on a live with someone today who it was her three years sober, we're launching this program together. And she was saying how like doing my yoga teacher training changed her life. Mm -hmm. And um, it just feels amazing to know that I'm having such a big impact on people. Yes. And then like, I imagine like, you're having an impact on people, they're changing their lives, and then they're impacting. And it just grows and grows and grows in that like ripple effect. Yeah. Like, when you're when you shine your light, or when I shine my light or anyone else, it like grows. And, and I think that's what's like really amazing about coaching is like, you can take your you can help someone else get to that point, And then they can share it with others as well. Um, what is the question you get asked most about yoga, sobriety, or mental health? That's a great question. Um, so, well, I'll tell you one, a question that I get asked a lot about sober yoga is a lot of people that don't get it ask me, um, what's the difference between sober yoga and regular yoga? <laughs> and a lot of people think like, isn't yoga always sober, which gives me an opportunity to educate, um, that like, yes, the practice of yoga is generally done sober, but sober yoga is like a gathering 
of sober or sober curious people practicing yoga together. Um, right. So that I get asked a lot of people misunderstanding, like what the point is of what I do. Um, I think that's, that's it. Mostly is asking me what is sober yoga. I get asked a lot when I'm, I don't go out very much anymore, but when I used to go out, I used to get asked like why I was sober all the time by people, which I love because I love having an opportunity to make an impact by, by sharing my story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was watching a little bit of your live this morning and you shared about like the different components of, um, the resources and programs you offer for people who are starting their sober journey or like reinforcing their sober journey. So just so everyone knows, um, what's available to them. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Absolutely. So I've been running um, a 30 and 60 day sober girls yoga challenge for about two and a half years now. I've had tons of women go through the program. And the biggest thing, the biggest problem is that after the 30 and 60 days, they were then integrated into the mind life practice and sober girls yoga community, which has grown pretty big at this point. We have um, about like 100, 150 active members, but we also have had like 4,000 people who have gone through programs at some point. And what we were finding was that people were kind of dropping off after the two months. And what was happening was they were losing that disconnection, right? So what we offer is like the once a week uh, gathering of just 15 women and your leader. And it's like an incredibly safe container. It's like a retreat experience where you're with these people for eight weeks and getting the support. And then it would end and it would drop off and people would um, would, would either carry on successfully in the community or disappear and maybe start drinking again. And so Kathy, who is one of my yoga students, uh, who came on, did my yoga teacher training, graduated last year, she launched a program, uh, to complete after the 30 and 68 challenge. And this is the 108 day emotional, uh, recovery sobriety program. So we put our heads together. She just run her first group through. They absolutely loved it. And so now we basically have a six month offering. So the first two months with me is the chakras. Um, and it's like getting into your life balance wheel and targeting specific areas of your life. And then the program with Kathy, which takes you to about three and a half months is all about the koshas and the yamas and niyamas. And then we said, you know, after this six month journey, we're then having the same thing, which is that people are disappearing and dropping off and we need to offer them something more and yeah. people really want to continue. So we now have the third part, which is the SAVA program. And so this is for people that are six months to a year into it and they get once a week meetings with me and Kathy. So we rotate every other week and, um, this program, we're getting into the four aims of life. Um, so Dharma, Arta. Um, Katha, um, Dharma, Arta, Kama, and Moksha. Oh, and there's Rachel saying, I can't wait for the 108 days. So I guess Rachel is joining that 108 day program. Amazing. So, um, basically it's like, uh, it's a full year sobriety program. And in the SAVA program, people have an opportunity to give back so they can, um, then do some volunteering with the community so they can mentor someone in the early days. They can be an assistant facilitator. They can do some volunteering because there's always different roles that people can play. Um, and the idea is that we're just creating this like long-term sobriety plan that's going to help people. And then if you do want to go on and learn even more, I do have 200 hour, 300 hour, 30 hour yoga teacher trainings. And, um, that is a big tool for a lot of people too. So we have that. And then of course our retreats. So we do Mexico, um, Bali, I'm looking at Costa Rica and Morocco this year as well. 
So these are great opportunity and anyone's welcome on the retreat. You could be from the programs, you could be brand new to the community, but it's a really awesome uh, little space for people to connect. I love that you have expanded, you know, so people can go through that whole year because I am about, I will be one year sober in August. And congratulations. I, thank you. And as I've gone through this journey, I'm like, all right, I'm like 60 days sober. But that's kind of like when the real work starts. It's like, yeah, okay, physically, I feel well, I mentally feel a little bit more clear. But now the emotions bubble to the top. And you have to deal with what you've like numbed away for however many years. So I feel Absolutely. like that's gonna be so impactful for people who get to that point and need to be like integrated into the community or have mentorship to like get over those humps so thank you for Absolutely. offering that and we should do a live um, to celebrate your soberversary that would woo! be awesome i think that's gonna be uh, my new thing i because i went live with I think awesome. for her three year it was so fun. And now I'm like, maybe I should just do that. Like sober milestones. Like whenever someone I know has a sober milestone, do a live, celebrate it. Cause it's like so inspiring for other people. So congratulations. And if you yes. want to do that, we should talk about it. I would love to do that. And also I think it's a hard thing to celebrate with people who aren't in that boat. Right. Yes, like if you 100%. don't have other people who are sober around you, they're like, okay, <laughs> what's 100%. what like I don't get it so having someone who's in that boat with you who's like yes so amazing like I've been there that is like very um affirming I think totally yeah what's your favorite non-alcoholic beverage oh it's a great question I love alcohol-free beers and alcohol-free wine yeah, I too. actually used to do a lot of that stuff like I used to um make tiktoks and have all the mocktails and everything when I lived in the UAE and then actually in Bali we don't have a great selection so right now what I like in Bali is kombucha but I am kind of mm -hmm. looking into I think I found a marketplace that does alcohol-free wine in Bali so I might try to get some shipped to my house because it is really nice to feel like you still have this adult ritual of like a wine yeah. glass there's something about that for me that's never going to grow old so yeah. um I do hope that that kind of that stuff gets all around the world soon I think it's gradually coming like we've seen a great movement um in North America so far so. yes my local grocery store uh recently had like a whole end cap like they were like we were really pushing the non-alcoholic beer and there's all craft breweries making it and I like am so happy because I just I agree it's like you still want to be included in the moment and not mm -hmm. be drinking like a juice box or like you know so having that is just totally. like really I really like that um, is there anything else you would like to share, um, or anything else you're offering that you want people to know about and how can people find you? Yeah. Um, I think that's about it with my, the full year program, um, the retreats, the yoga teacher trainings. And if anyone's interested in any of these things, shoot me a DM, uh, at Alex McGraw or sober yoga girl podcast or the mindful life practice. We do have a Facebook group, Sober Girls Yoga, where we have a pretty awesome community there. So hop on there and, um, and yeah, just connect. And I'm happy to hop on a call with anyone at Coffee if anyone wants to learn more about what I do or see if we're a good fit. Um, I just love connecting with other people in the sober world. So 
Um, I want to send you so much gratitude, Alex, for just doing what you're doing, spreading the word about sobriety and for sharing this time with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Shelby. It was so amazing to finally meet you and connect and you're doing incredible things in the yoga world as well. So that's amazing. Thank you. Enjoy your lunch. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye, love. Bye. Do you want to keep in touch between podcast episodes? If you want love notes from me, where I share all the ups and downs, tips and tricks, sad times, good times, successes, and failures of coaching, yoga entrepreneurship, and life sent directly to your inbox, you are going to want to get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free visualization ebook. This ebook is designed to be like a self-guided retreat to guide you through the journey of envisioning your future and making your dreams come true. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to my mailing list and a link to the PDF will be sent straight to your inbox. Have an amazing day. Chat soon.